0: No. Why must you do this I, to I'm me? I'm gonna <laughs> magic storm. Oh! <laughs> oh!
1: I'm gonna I'm uh, gonna oh shut my... it down, and everyone's gonna think I'm really cool.
2: <laughs> what is it about Christopher Walken impressions that just brings out the actor and everyone? Like no matter what situation <laughs> you're in, if you say, "Hey, Christopher Walken," immediately everyone that you are talking to starts doing their worst. Oh! <laughs> I'm not even exactly. sure I've ever seen a movie with him in it.
1: <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm always joined by Red.
1: What's up? I have uh, hot cocoa in a very cute mug.
0: <laughs> Describe the mug. How cute is it? Oh, it's a Pusheen mug. It's
1: a Pusheen mug. The Pusheen on the mug is eating a donut, and the rest of the mug is covered in little pink, blue, and orange polka dots. Uh, and the inside is a pastel pink and also full of cocoa. So It's
0: it's really nice when you get mugs with, like, colors on the insides. Mm. I don't know what it is. It just it makes them feel nicer. I've currently got... <laughs> Um, some oolong tea in the Seasons of Rome mug Ah, uh, a favorite design Um, that's a good one
1: it's a look yeah it's very solid Um, and we are also joined by Indigo as always lurking in the shadows (laughs) (laughs) I just learned that the cup I'm drinking out
2: of has a magnetic lid I've been drinking out of this for um, months now (laughs) I've only just learned this so when you say magnetic lid like so it's it's like a tumbler situation because I got it um And a a pirate Pollyanna that my family does every year because we have a very large family. And so rather than everyone buying each other gifts for Christmas, we all just buy one thing and then duke it out over who gets to take what home. (laughs) And I went home with a tumbler, which honestly, compared to some past years, is a pretty big win for me. But the lid, you know, like, suctions in, normal tumbler stuff. But then the little (coughs) jawn that you flick to keep it open and closed pops right on off. Oh, yeah. It's because it's a magnet. Oh. And I just never opened it up because why would I? It's a slidey thing. Right.
0: Good for cleaning. Yeah. I know that you said, yeah. like, it's one gift per person, but I do love the implication that your family collectively buys one gift and then, like, blood is drawn <laughs> to, over yeah, who gets to keep it. Battle
1: Royale, <laughs> Squid Game style. Yeah. yeah. We just, well, it's my,
2: so my poppy every year, he buys himself. Well, I say he buys himself. He buys a gift that he knows no one else wants, and then he goes home with the thing that he bought that's like, the real every move. year. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, uh, he's just this like 80-year-old man who rolls up. He's like, oh, this niche home cooking device? I'll pick this suspiciously wrapped in the same wrapping paper. It's always been wrapped in cube and just in the corner. <laughs> Don't mind. It's fun. Do. Um, wow. But that's not what you guys are here to talk about, so I'm going to go on uh, <laughs> ghost mode. Until the Q and A portion of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Stealth Adios.
0: Mode. Awesome. <laughs> Jumping back uh, two weeks, we had uh, we had some videos up on the channel. Uh, one was a very fun trope talk, and one was a video that should have come out two weeks ago. But that's a me hey. problem that I'm going to blame on VidCon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: we've well, already well, talked it's...
0: about the backstory for that one. But yeah, yeah, Red, let's uh, let's talk about the the right hand man. This yeah. is. This is a cool one because it's tangential to some tropes we've done before, but it is, it is distinct in a few key ways. Yeah. What do you like about making this one?
1: I, I mean, you know, it was an interesting challenge because the trope of the right-hand man is not self-contained. And there are a lot of tropes that are self-contained. You know, it's like this is a character archetype. They exist in isolation. They can have interesting chemistry with other characters, but it's not necessary to define who they are. The right-hand man, as I mentioned in the video, is unique in how much it is dependent on another character. Um, and there are characters where this is, you know, if you have a character who's like a satellite love interest, if you have a character's parents or something like that, they're probably not going to be much in the way of characters in their own right, and they are, they're basically in the story because of their connection to a main character. The right-hand man is a rare case where it's like, this character is a character all on their own, and they are wholly defined by their dynamic with this other character. And there is a lot of interesting ways to explore that. But I did, as I continued writing the script, kind of find myself gravitating specifically towards bad guy right-hand man. And I think that's because, like, you, you get good guy right-hand man. And I was, y'all are very lucky that I had enough wherewithal to not exclusively use footage from Full Metal Alchemist for this entire video. <laughs> because that whole thing is about, like, chains of command and the bonds of friendship and shit. Like, every other character is a right-hand man. <laughs> um... And it's a it's a good show. Everybody should watch it. But the point is, like, it, when I was trying to work out examples, I was like, okay, yes, obviously, I could use Reza Hawkeye, but I want to use something creative. Okay, and then the next one's like, well, obviously, this is Lan Fan, but I also want to do one that's <laughs> not. <laughs> so, <sighs> um, yeah. but uh, you know, a lot of I found that you often have stories where it's like, if you, once you have one right hand man, you got a lot of them because it's like the whole story becomes about like you know, if it's set in a military arrangement with an explicit chain of command then everyone's kind of got a right-hand man like you know Star Trek everyone's got a number one or a, you know yeah. a Spock to your Kirk or whatever um and those are fun but honestly where it really shines is the Darth Vaders of the world you know yeah. the bad guy's right-hand bad guy who is probably the actual scariest motherfucker in the plot and that's just it's so fun um, I got to throw in some Kim Possible footage, you know, yeah. get Rep Shigo. Everybody loves Shigo. And it's she's a rare case where, like the tone of that show is so just kind of generally flippant and comedic that it's like, oh, yeah, she's the real scary bad guy. She actually poses a threat while the main bad guy's off having a slap fight with the impotent comic relief. That's pretty funny, Woo. And it's like, yeah, that is pretty funny. But then you get, you know, it's like she's in the same category as like Darth Vader. And, like, Soundwave from Transformers Prime and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, So, I, you know, the conclusion I came to in the video that the reason why bad guy right-hand men are kind of more interesting is because they can have spicier dynamics and, like, do worse stuff. Because if it's a good guy, it's like, we kind of expect them to like and be loyal to each other. But when it's a bad guy who's being loyal, that's exciting. And also they they sort of elevate the main villain because the, it yeah. lets the villain delegate. And this, again, this is a crossover with like another trope we talked about way back when I did a discussion on evil minions um, because they allow the villain to not have to do everything themselves. Like if you have your main villain and he's like a master manipulator planner and then also they need to be a really good physical fighter because that's what our protagonists are good at so they can have a showdown. Then it's a little bit like, well, why is this guy just good at everything What's going on? So it's helpful if they can be like, okay, my job is to be the, the heavy hit, you know, the physical, the, the planner. I do the mindset stuff. I, I think things through. I, I come up with machinations. And then this is my right hand dude. He hits stuff real good, have fun. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. This is, you know, the, that's the sign of a good leader. Yeah. Um, and you know, that in turn allows each individual character to be a little more interesting because the main villain needs to be villainous. Right hand man can have all kinds of reasons to be on the side of evil. Uh, sometimes they're just bored. Sometimes they have a, a deep seated personal loyalty for their boss. Sometimes it's just, you know, business. And whatever that is, because they are not inherently necessarily bad, you know, they're they're just loyal. Like they can be loyal to a bad guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are themselves a pillar of villainy. And that means that you can do a lot more interesting, nuanced stuff with their character than you can for the main big bad, who kind of has to be on some level fairly clear-cut dag-nasty evil for the main characters to oppose them like that. So anyway, and I, I, out of courtesy, I did not use the Stormhawks example that I very much could have. (laughs) You're (laughs) welcome, everybody.
0: I I think a a couple thoughts are are springing to mind for me. I, I think what makes this trope interesting is that, Red, like you said, it's very much about the relationship between two characters, because just going through previous Trope Talk episodes, you've had Lancers, you've had Minions, uh, you've had, there was one other one that sprang to mind that I forgot, um, <laughs> but eh. uh, you, you've had all those kinds of characters mentioned before, either directly or indirectly, but this is is neat because it really highlights the way that two characters, the right-hand man and whoever else, have a relationship and how that that works and with you know with good guys with lancers the most that you get typically is that the lancer will snark at the protagonist but otherwise it's like you kind of understand implicitly how they're going to act they're going to be supportive at almost every point with villains either you get a subversion of oh you see two villains care about each other which is interesting mm-hmm. or you have a lot more leeway for how much horrible things they can do to each other <laughs> yeah. which is also interesting uh, and, and I think a really good example of that is one that you showed briefly um, which was Entrapta in Shira, yeah. is you know starts as a good guy through various plot you know happenings becomes on the bad guy side doesn't really have a stake in doing evil but is loyal and you know a good companion to the other people on on her team and even goes so far as to develop a personal friendship with the big bad evil guy that survives her becoming a good guy again which is super interesting and how those relationships can work and operate completely independent of like Team borders. I thought that was a really cool example, um, yeah. which I'm glad that you included.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Entrapta is very interesting in a lot of different ways. And, you know, obviously the main—the Horde kind of has layers of right-hand men, you know, as with yeah. most military hierarchies. For a while, Shadow Weaver is Hordeax's right-hand man, and then Catra is Hordeax's right-hand man, and then it sort of flips, and Scorpia is Catra's right-hand lady. But, like— she clearly just wants to be like bros, <laughs> and uh, when she figures out that that's just not going to happen, she's like, okay, and then she leaves, and it's like, this is incredible. This is exactly what I wanted for her, um, and there's there's a lot of interesting examples of villainous right-hand man dynamics where the right-hand man like wants more from the bad guy than they are getting. Um, I used you know, Avatar as an example, obviously. You got Azula, who just wants a dad rather than... <laughs> Ozai uh, yeah. and all and that stuff
0: One one comment that I, I saw at the top of the list was people noting how Azula's downfall starts when she is betrayed by her, her gang of right hand ladies Exactly,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah Yeah. And an example that I briefly used but didn't discuss in depth because it was another Fullmetal Alchemist one and I didn't want to overuse <laughs> it um, is uh, one of the so the the big bad evil guy of Fullmetal of Alchemist Brotherhood is a being called Father and his Homunculi offspring are named after the seven deadly sins, and they all treat him like their dad. He doesn't treat them like his kids Because he's terrible um, And each of them have an individually like disparate relationship with him. Greed constantly rebels and goes off and tries to do protagonisty y things uh, But his most loyal henchman is Pride, uh, who looks like a little kid, but is actually a scary shadow monster. He's great um, And when he's having his final boss fight with the main character, the main character's like, I can't believe you're still so loyal to this guy. He did this thing that really damaged you and then he just left you cuz he doesn't even care. <laughs> and Pride is like, "Why would he? He's only my father." Wait, shit. <laughs> um, and it, like, he, it doesn't make or him no. st- Yeah, it doesn't make him stop being evil, but it does like shake him a lot because, you know, surprisingly Pride is kind of like, "I am great and powerful and the best." And why is he leaving me behind while he goes to his final triumph. What's happening? No, this is fine. This is good. It's because he trusts me to beat this guy up. And, uh, you know, when he's defeated, it's like, yeah, get him. So he gets in a a little third act breakdown there, which is
0: nice. Always fun Um, to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because again, a lot of times the right-hand bad guy is significantly more of a threat and, like, more narratively impactful than the main villain. And that means sometimes you really want them to have a special, you know, their own little third act breakdown. Anyway, uh, so that was my video. It was a fun one. There's a
0: lot of real, real Mm fun and complex character dynamics you can you can explore with that one it's uh, oh, yeah. almost always a good time
1: yeah definitely yeah. Um, and then a much less loaded concept: <laughs> colonial era North America.
0: Yay! <laughs> um, I I feel like I have been working on this video for like seven years, despite the fact that it was a five-minute script that should have taken <laughs> me like three days. Uh, this is the one that was split over VidCon, and I'm sure for any of you who've been following along, like this is the video that Blue like just couldn't get. Really, this one? <laughs>
1: it's a no, minutes. It's, it's... I'm like, I know,
0: I know, I know. When, when um, you're
1: burned out, it doesn't matter. You yeah, know? <laughs> no, uh, yeah. No. When
0: you've been sleeping no more than five hours a night and dealing with uh, what because of, of a three-hour time change from L.A. and then also just staying up three hours later than normal combines for a six-hour time change <laughs> within one country. Yeah. Um, uh, Hawaii people are laughing like, oh, that's it, six hours, no. yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like
1: little baby, watch but this. <laughs> it,
0: was, uh, it, it was a fun one to put together. I originally had the concept of doing like, oh, like I'll start at Jamestown, and then I like immediately fell asleep while trying to figure out where that video would go. I'm like, actually, I can make this a lot more interesting ah. if, I, if I get out of the like, you know, u.s uh mind frame and you know pull back zoom out and, and see what else i can do it's like oh look at the iroquois they're not a city but they are a polity and therefore i can just pretend like i can treat them <laughs> as is what is like quebec is you know quebec is one city i'm really talking about like nouvelle france as, as one whole thing but like i'm just gonna say it's a city so i'm yeah I've, i'm stretching the definition of city a little bit but it's like you know it's it's a singular political entity I can it's call fine. that a city, right? Yeah. 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 Nobody's gonna yeah. sass. So I, I, really liked it. It was a good. It was a good system to see how those interacted. Got a lot of comments saying I should have done Philly. Objectively, I should have. But I already almost didn't finish the video anyway, so yeah. I, I have a lot of <laughs> options for how to include it later because I, I'm sort of envisioning this as like this is what I can do for like you know Fourth of July's and and such going forward because I don't. I don't really like doing American history the the like straightforward linear way, but this is a really cool way to show how like American networks have developed over time. So there's a lot of other cities that I will surely get to eventually, and I think that will actually be pretty cool. So I'm yeah. I'm excited for that. I, I I did not sleep on on Philly. I recognize why they are extremely cool because like all of the ideas came out of there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But for the purposes of this video, it worked really nicely to have like okay, there's there's the you know right over the the hills, right behind the trees. Um, inland on the lakes Uh, Native American perspective you get you know up by the river you get you know France and they're this weird other colonial force that was knocked out but then also stayed and how did that work Um, and how like it's easy to overlook the Quebec Act of 1774 or whatever it is but like huge impact on Britain's ability to continue holding Canada because when the Americans tried to you know storm on up and be like oh Quebec come join us they're like why would we we're treated (laughs) well here and they're like they gave you rights? What the fuck? What a scam. Yeah. Hey. Um, so, And then looking at New York as kind of like the jewel in the crown and Boston as as the pain in its ass. I, uh, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun. Cause someone was like, what do you mean we've been riding that high ever since? How dare you say something so accurate? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was good. It, it was nice to, to see how it all... It all blended together, and I I liked getting a a look at it. I got some people saying, oh, you're harping on colonialism too much. Got some people saying, oh, you're not harping on it nearly enough, (laughs) which makes me feel like I landed in the right spot. Oh, Uh. man,
1: it would be so so weird, you know, to talk about a concept like it fully reshaped the entire global landscape and strongly determined how every country in the world interacts with every other country. It's so weird (laughs) to bring that up, you know? Haven't we gotten the point already? Like, geez, guys, that was like— I don't know, when's the last time the UK colonized an island nation? Like last week, two weeks ago? That was like two uh, weeks ago. Uh, Move on. War, uh, 82. I don't... <laughs>
0: oh, 82.
1: I mean, geez, guys. Get, you know, find a new tune to sing. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so yeah. many other globe-spanning political things that affect literally every... Sorry. Anyway.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, granted, I, the, there's arguments to, to be made that I, I could have done a lot more to broaden the perspective and not make it so kind of Anglo-centric, which admittedly, it is, because I'm, I'm mostly talking around, you know, the northeastern United States. Um, yes. So it's like, I, I get it. Um, I, I I could have expanded my reach a lot more. I could have talked about the Caribbean. I could have talked about a lot of other places. But I wanted to, wanted to keep it focused on a, on a nice little place where you can actually see the parts interacting. Because, well, all of, you know, all of Colonial Network's, interact with each other in some capacity. You know, Quebec had networks running down to Haiti. Um, it's it's easier when I have them close together so I can actually get, you know, things happening. Because if it's like, yeah, let's look at Spain down in like Mexico City, that 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 just doesn't I mean it's the same time period, yeah, but it doesn't really <laughs> fit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to roll with this a little bit and do more in the the, the New World colonial period in America going uh, going onward but uh, it's uh, yeah. it's exciting I, I, I like what I what I got going on here I, I like this setup uh, and I think it can be useful for for going forward as a way to tackle American history in a way that doesn't make me terminally bored. Um, yeah definitely so, I mean you know
1: hmm. I think that one of the biggest problems I've always had studying history is when it gets presented as like a linear like here's what happened in this year and here's what happened in that year and here's yeah. what happened in this year and I'm like great it's a spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm so invested, but then it's like, here's what happened here, and here's how it caused this to happen over there, and that caused this to happen over here, and I'm like, oh, connections, things a human brain is actually designed to accept <laughs> rather than a line of things that aren't connected with each other. Yeah. Groundbreaking, but yes, I, I think that your approach to history is very good, and I really appreciate it. I, I've spent yeah. a, a lot of very boring summers with Barbara Tuckman, so I really appreciate this approach in contrast. <laughs> so. Glad. Yeah. Uh, on,
0: on that note, uh, I was actually uh, with Cyan up in Toronto for uh, a weekend to, to visit some family who was coming over from the UK, uh, as well as my dad who came up to visit. Long story. But we were in Toronto for a weekend and it was really great and I had a fun time. Love Toronto. Fantastic. Would go back again a million times. Mwah. Huh. Uh, we so that's took a two for three trip. on
1: Canadian cities that <laughs> yeah, haven't entered Quebec, the shit list. Yeah, Quebec. Love
0: it. <laughs> Toronto love it uh montreal i'm sure i will love once it's not completely under construction i can actually go up to saint joseph's observatory when they actually have stairs put back in (laughs) sorry um we were on this tour down to niagara and the tour guide was explaining like canadian history in the driest most boring way and even i was ready to fall asleep i'm like oh okay i get it Mm -hmm, i get it
1: (laughs) yep pain and suffering
0: um, so yeah (laughs) but uh it was it it was a, a good one um I say that, I think, all the time. It was a good one, quote, blew every podcast ever. But
1: I, it, was. You know, there, it was. There good. are
0: some stinkers, just not a lot.
1: <laughs> I think I usually, think so. like, you know, we don't tend to realize a video isn't up to our standards, like, the week after it goes up, you know? Like, we, we don't tend to be like, I hated it the minute I uploaded it, you know? <laughs> so by the time we do the podcast, we're like, yeah, I liked that. And then, like, maybe six months down the line, we're like... But no, this I one was good. I did actually,
0: uh, we'll, we'll want to pivot off, but I did have one video <laughs> where as soon as I uploaded it, I'm like, no, this one was bad. It was my Machiavelli History Makers. That Ooh. video w- was a, a cursed production. I just, it, nothing was seeming to work right. And even after I uploaded it, I'm like, I could have done that better. Mm. But anyway. uh anyway. of other videos that we like. Uh, we're doing some more uh, channel recommendations because we had fun with it last time. We hope that you all enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Uh, Red, who are we recommending that our audience check out this week?
1: Yes. Uh, it's a channel that you actually got me watching in the first yes. place. Uh, <laughs> Ribonator. Uh, he does. Does resin casting dice, uh, and he also does some d miniatures painting, stuff like that, uh, resin casting dice boxes. Uh, it's just, it's very fun. Uh, it's produced, a, a, it's put a sort of Damocles over my head for how long it'll be before I actually start trying to do resin crafting myself. <laughs> It's going to be a nightmare, but uh, he does a lot of very fun little videos about that. Um, And the specific video we're going to recommend is one where he uh, does a DIY, uh, like, swirling glitter dye, where you make a dye that has a, like, pocket in it that has a liquid glitter substance, and then it, it, like, shakes around when you, like, roll it. I have no idea what it does to the actual, like, weight distribution of the dye uh, and how well it rolls, but they look incredible, and he's just got a very fun, like, chill tutorial style you know yeah. he'll describe you know we're gonna do this we're gonna put this in the pressure pot et etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it's also just funny and like just really chill educational background noise if you're interested in any sort of you know resin crafting and yeah. such like uh, it's, or dice
0: it's very aesthetic and just very pleasing to listen to great channel uh i have binged several of them <laughs> uh, in a row it's just like Let's just watch like a million dice get made, but yeah, Yeah. other than that, we have a couple announcements uh, to get onto. One is, um, actually it's the only announcement to get onto, which is that (laughs) uh, Rolling With Difficulty's got uh, some more episodes coming on up, right?
1: Yeah, we're still in the middle of season two, so uh, episodes are going up every Friday. Uh, Definitely check them out. The Uh, one that goes up this week is especially fun. So Especially
2: fun! It's the middle in. of the season. It's our fifth episode out of ten for this season. Nice. So and we've survived thus far. We've is, we've yeah. got some fun stuff coming. At you uh, they're also on
0: YouTube now, right? In addition to your yes, podcast platform. Yes. Rolling with of difficulty
2: choice. is available on all fine podcasting platforms and YouTube. Just search "Rolling with Difficulty" and it will be the only thing that pops up because I did <laughs> a lot of research into the name before we named the podcast to make sure that that was ha- possible. Oh yeah. SEO. Um, <laughs> <laughs> SEO baby. Yeah. Uh, so yeah if you there all of everything is cross-posted onto YouTube and the audio only platform so really it's just down to your preference uh, the YouTube uploads do have um, battle maps so if you are someone who needs that visual reference while you're watching uh, you can check those out there yep um, but otherwise the content is exactly the same so just watch wherever your heart desires Um uh, if you're watching at all, and if you are, I hope you've yeah. been enjoying it. I, I've been having fun making it.
0: I, I've been listening <laughs> to some of them. They are really fun. Uh, I mean, it's like, I, I know almost everybody in the call, so it's like, i played d with these guys. This is great. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I found um, out
2: recently that my dad started listening. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So he's been giving me feedback uh, on season one um, this week, so that's been yeah. that's been fun. My dad
1: um, uh, has also been listening through at his own pace, uh, <laughs> and he mentioned um, that uh, one of the existential large-scale antagonist we've been dealing with was the subject of like a, a joke in Dragon Magazine like way back in the day where like she used like evil mushroom pizzas to try and anyway great yeah, stuff <laughs> yeah great stuff yeah um yes. I'm, that's sort of the beauty of D&D
2: is it's been around so long yeah. that every possible existential threat is probably been made into a joke at some point so no matter how messed up you think your characters are going to get, just know at the end of the day there might be a pizza joke in there somewhere. Um,
1: Everyone else is like, first time? Also, that D&D movie trailer.
0: I was going to say, if you need a fix before the D&D movie comes out, uh, go listen to Rolling with Difficulty. (laughs)
1: Oh, I'm so glad that uh, Chris Pine is having a good time with his roles.
0: I I feel like like I don't
2: don't know if uh, this is completely off topic, but if anyone has seen the Hugh Grant press junket for this movie, highly recommend, that man is having the time of his (laughs) life. He knows nothing about (laughs) D&D and he is so happy about it and it's just really funny to
1: watch. What I'm going to have to do as soon as this movie comes out is do a movie night double feature where I start with the Jeremy Irons D&D movie, you know, you know the one. And then I watch yeah. this one and I'm like, this is better. Like, no matter what it does, it's going to be better than that. <laughs> so, fingers exactly. crossed, exactly. I think but I've got a record uh, for how much an... I
0: love Chris Pine, so I'm very excited for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> great. Yes.
2: I mean, they said Chris Pine barred and they had me. Like, I don't even. I, nothing else in the movie matters, even yes. though the rest of the cast is great. It's like, I'm like, oh, Dagony 2.0, baby.
1: <laughs> my hope is that the dynamic they have is similar to the one in Leverage, as they are clearly doing some form of a heist and he's playing a mastermind of some ilk, and it's like, yes, yes. Give me the fun dynamics, but also please be good Um, because I worry. D&D has been popular for such a short window of time in the grand scheme of things that I'm still kind of like, this is going to be the stinker that sinks us back into the dark ages. (laughs) I can feel it. It's going to be what Catwoman did to female-led superhero movies in 2004. (laughs) Well, hopefully
2: that doesn't happen. And If it does, Rolling with Difficulty will be there to try and pull us back (laughs) up with the raw strength of podcasting. But that is an announcement for another day. Yes. Yep. So uh, I, I think we're ready to move on
1: to the yes, Q and A portion.
2: It. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Q and A portion of the overly sarcastic podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. I should just pre-record myself saying that, and then just like have it as that <laughs> button I could drop in the future. <laughs> yes, yeah, perfect. Um, soundboard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like the word John. That <laughs> intro, <laughs> Speed Racer is good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Get that weak shit the off the Charlie Day sandals. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, this first question comes from Luanator uh, to water all. In there too. Sorry, go on. <laughs> to all, what's your favorite item on your desk? So look at your desks right now. I recently
0: cleaned Brad, I know my you're desk in a, closet. Uh, a month ago, so I don't have a lot <laughs> on here at the moment, which is honestly great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, oh, you know what? It's not on my desk, but it is in my room. Let me just grab this bad boy. <laughs> oh ho ho! <clears throat> it's in a it's in a briefcase for easy carrying. And it's probably not in tune still, because I know these things untune themselves pretty quick when they're new. (laughs) Oh,
0: (laughs) I think I know what this is. Yeah, Yeah, Uh baby.
1: It's my liar. Okay. Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound great, does it? (laughs) Everyone having a good time? I got really worried for a
2: second, because uh, Noir, who's on the Rolling (laughs) with Difficulty podcast with us, is uh, notorious for playing instruments that aren't great, like like the (laughs) recorder. Or, um... (laughs) What did he have?
0: a hurdy-gurdy it's like
2: is it a melodica it's oh, hurdy-gurdy um, he's just he's got some nonsense he's incredibly talented uh, and he uses it to cause chaos so every time someone whips says they've got a fun instrument to whip out on a call I get in- instinctively like I hear like the Skyrim <laughs> battle music start playing it go into this point of flame mode <laughs> thanks Noir um yeah. What about you, Blue? What you got on your desk?
0: Um, so I have stuff like, you know, I've got some some trinkets and things like, you know, minis from old D&D campaigns, some some bits and bobs from various travels. Um, I've got some little little bronze sculptures that I got from Greece, a couple Lego sets I designed, um, a, a ceramic uh, cat that I painted as Cleo for when um, all of us actually were, were out doing uh, pottery painting oh, yeah. for the day before Cyan and my wedding. I uh, got a little little tiger and painted a Cleo, which is yeah. great. I uh, got some <laughs> some other little, little bits and, and bobs from various places, uh, including a, a very small Etruscan boar vessel um, that Cyan got. Oh, yeah, she didn't realize one. how small it was. It is very small. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know if I could point to any one thing. Um, I really like my bookshelves, but that's not on my desk. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. by
2: definition, I, not on your desk. I like the Once fact that I have a,
0: a very open space to work on, because I used to have, like, shit everywhere on my desk, but now it's just, mm. like, I have this, this marble contact paper so that my wood desk looks like marble, and I've got a nice, like, felt mat uh, that I put on so that I can, like, have my laptop on there, have my microphone down, and it's just like, it's nice. It's already kind of soundproofed and stuff. So I uh, I have shelf space with, with little trinkets and knickknacks on it, but then my desk is empty, which is great.
1: <laughs> I hope everyone's enjoying yeah, my s- poor rendition of Bloody Tears over <laughs> here. <the> occasional <laughs> note that comes through, gets picked up.
2: Um, Yeah, I, my, all my favorite stuff in my desk is probably all of the technological elements, which doesn't really qualify as like a little knickknack. Like, my microphone is on my desk with my boom arm, and I do indeed I love her dearly. Same thing with like my focus right, and now my Mac, and I'm just like these. This is my entire livelihood within like three devices. <laughs> yeah. So those are probably my favorite thing on my desk. But also I have a few plants that I really like. Got um, yeah, like a prayer plant and a um, money plant. Um,
1: Red, now I just want oh, to watch Castlevania you know Actually, again, God an damn it. Yes, my plan is working. <laughs> Subliminal Favorite messaging. Favorite thing my desk
2: currently, it's a candle, it's themed after Dionysus, and it smells very strongly of wine, and Hell you can yes. smell it even when it's not lit, so it just makes <laughs> the whole <great>. room <laughs> smell like wine constantly. It's solid. Oh, it um, it. Candles by Circe on Etsy, but they're solid. I've gotten other ones from them before. They're all like themed after Greek gods. They're neat. That is cool. Plug. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, But this next question uh, is for Blue from Swimming Buttress to Blue. You mentioned that you like not only domes, but arches as well. What's your favorite arch?
0: Um, So one thing that I neglected to mention in in that previous podcast is that the arches that I really like, like Gothic pointed arches are just such a look. They're so mm. Uh, there's some really nice ones in in Sicily in the Norman Cathedral that I've probably talked about at length before uh, because they're Islamic style pointed arches before. Gothic proper was invented uh, with like Byzantine mosaics on them, which is like, oh man, what a combo. Mm. But the arches that I probably enjoy the most, I've, I've talked about uh, in Venice in the Doge's Palace. There's a double colonnade of on the bottom layers rounded arches and on the second layers pointed arches. Mm. And I explained it better in the video itself on the, the, the history summarized to the Doge's Palace. But those ones are really nice um, because like thematically it works very well, aesthetically it, it looks really nice. Um, I don't know if I could point to one arch that I really like because usually they they come in sets. That's kind of the way that they work. Well, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on
1: the Arc de Triomphe? You know, it's good, the big one. <laughs> um, it's it, it's a little too big. I think
0: it, it hmm. it's it's kind of out of place. Like it, it, from above, like it looks it looks great. You know, it it fits. It it works well enough. But it's it's a little oversized for purpose. I think. It's cool. It was impressive when they built it. It's, it's a little <laughs> unwieldy. And granted, like, the last time I was in Paris, I was very small. So I don't know if my thoughts would change seeing it from, like, actual eye level now. But
1: <laughs> Arc
2: the is that much smaller as a child. <laughs> Somehow achieving human height has made
0: <laughs> Yeah, when I remember seeing it, I was like, wow, this is a little too big.
1: Just a little big, you know, like (laughs) six foot something. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Uh, great.
1: I got to uh, put this, this away next... or we're going to just have
2: <laughs> <laughs> nothing else. I can't wait to edit this episode. It's going to be <laughs> me, so neither. easy breezy. Is this a new uh, record
0: for just like completely losing the thread and like reducing hey, questions to let me give you six been, half answers. They we asked me about, about on
2: accessories. Task. How was I not supposed to break out the liar? We've been <laughs> relatively uh, on point on point, and we'll continue it with this next question from the lonely ghost. Get in the case. To all... You suddenly find yourselves isekai'd into the last piece of media you consumed. On a scale of one to ten, how screwed are you and what do you do? So this question is twofold. What was the last thing you consumed? what last piece of media you consumed? And if you were isekaized into it, are you screwed and what are you
1: doing? I've been watching almost nothing but old Mystery Science Theater three thousand. <laughs> so You're I just end be- up living it up. (laughs) It's great. I just end up on the satellite of love with a bunch of robot buds watching bad movies. It's basically Tuesday, only I don't have to work. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Uh, So Red's
2: fine.
0: I'm in Lego Star Wars. I'm having the dream. I'm I'm fantastic.
2: What are you doing in Lego Star Wars? Like, cause basically it's just you're in Star Wars, but you could build stuff um, easier.
0: Assuming I'm I'm me and not like isekai'd into being like a chosen one Jedi or some bullshit. Uh, I would probably hang out on the Boo or Coruscant. But if I'm a Jedi, I'm gonna go do like Jedi things. I'm in the prequel era, obviously, because like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. just the most, that's fun, like one. most fun one. To live yeah. In. yeah. Um. In in the reg in the OT, everything is shit in the sequel era, everything is shit, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, that casino was, looked pretty fun, though. Like, if I had fuck you money, <laughs> I'd go fight? to that casino No, the casino's is supposed to be a
1: wretched hive. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> That's there every... to be about how capitalist excess is wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah, but every other planet in the sequel trilogy was boring as shit.
1: <laughs> well, most of them did also get blown up, so, like, Crate, I liked. <laughs> I
0: liked Crate. Crate was a look. That was mm, pretty Which
1: cool. one was, was that the Salt Planet?
0: Salt Planet, yes. Hey, yeah. hey,
1: where the, the Renniters come from. The one distinct
0: planet, aside from October which is just like four islands like okay great what are they gonna come up with next <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> sorry i'm Ooh, gonna go to the prequels i'm gonna hang out. new
2: zealand again
0: uh, yeah I'm, I'm gonna go or actually no octo is an island it doesn't matter i'm gonna right. go to the prequels i'm gonna be hanging out in Naboo, the this just, just like still? fucking fantasy like como i'm having a blast <laughs> For, okay
1: so we've got the not too distant future we've got a galaxy far far away where are you indigo <laughs>
2: Last night I stayed up until like three in the morning trying to continue my quest to catch up on One Piece. So I guess I'm a pirate now, Ooh, statistically. That could be fun. <laughs> I mean, that could be fun. Yeah. The the thing is that that is so that universe is so wide and expansive, and there is such a range of quality of life that I am either totally fine or so deeply screwed. And there's like <laughs> it could be any it could be an, it entirely depends on what I get skied into. Perfect. Um, I'd like to be a pirate, but yes. At the same time, there's a lot of bad pirates, so maybe not. Hmm. who knows? So specifically a good guy so pirate. So I see Specifically the a good guy pirate, right? um And you wanna you wanna be someone who's got a power of some kind, right? You wanna eat like a yeah, fruit. Yeah, you need one of them super superpower. So I gotta. Yeah. I think what I mean. I need to do is I just I get in, um and I immediately make my diet exclusively fruit, and I just try and eat every fruit I find until eventually one of them gives me a superpower, the <laughs> and, and then I figure it out weird? from there. Like isn't it? I mean, they do, but in-universe, some people seem to just kind of be like, oh, fruit, that's fine, I'll eat this. (laughs) Is one piece
0: a conspiracy by big fruit to make people eat more fruit? (laughs) Uh, Is this some, like, Sanford Dole bullshit again?
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
2: (laughs) I'd say yes but every time I see like a TikTok where they're like making like a <laughs> Gomu Gomu no me in real life they just shower cover an apple in fondant so maybe not oh, <laughs> it could go either way I know they never look I'm like the artistry like it just molded out of clay at that point like yes it's <laughs> edible but God at what cost I mean <laughs> you
1: know? yeah that. I always feel like you kind of got to match the texture of the frosting with whatever's underneath it because like mm-hmm. if whatever's underneath it is too soft but the frosting isn't then it, the whole thing just collapses and if it's you know, if it's too hard then the frosting just kind of scrapes off it. And it's like fondant on an apple, I cannot think of a worse combination yeah. of textures. It's like you got like a, like, my a favorite. like a play-doh y clay thing, and then you have a crisp, juicy substance underneath that. Like the minute you bite into it, it's gonna start getting melty and weird on the outside. Yeah. Whatever. Well, Why what am I, I judging said. TikToks I haven't seen? I, don't know. I as we all know it is a cardinal sin to critique things that you have not consumed.
2: We're
0: not doing this
1: again. <laughs> anyway, we've got uh, I'm gonna be salty about this for the rest Ren. of my life. Doing
2: her day job but now in space yeah. with robots. With with robot Blue. buddies. <laughs> doing his dream job but but now in space. Seeing Jedi months. yes. Uh and I'm a pirate on the grand ah. line, baby. On <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to go be the pirate king. I don't want to be the pirate king. That's too much work. Everyone's no. trying to kill you if you're doing that. I don't want yeah, to do that yeah. shit. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm staying in my lane. is what yeah. I'm doing. Um But anyway, this next question comes from <laughs> yeah. Uh Feridian To all, I'm currently working on a cosplay, and I'm wondering if you've ever cosplayed. If so, what character? And if not, not, would you?
1: (laughs) It's been a hot minute. Have you guys ever dipped in? Yes, yes. uh, I have, and I'll tell you why. Uh, It's because I was exposed to conventions before I was exposed to Halloween, so when the time came to dress up to trick-or-treat my mom had to explain the concept to me by telling me it was like cosplay and i was like oh okay then i want to be granny weatherwax from the discworld books and she's like okay so my first halloween everyone was like oh a witch that makes sense and i'm like no i'm specifically this witch like all right cool um and that was just like my mo for like the first basically almost every halloween i did there was a character that i was And I would sometimes then get to like reuse those costumes when I went to a convention. I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll just you know I'll I'll cosplay one of these days." Um, And my mom was the one making those costumes. I was like six tops. I couldn't sew. I still can't sew. I don't have the the uh, excuse of being six anymore, but (laughs) it's just no no good for me. Um, And uh, then I sort of went through a phase where I started feeling a lot weirder about it, uh, mostly Mm -hmm. because I hit puberty and uh, before conventions kind of got. I'd say, reshuffled to be a little more friendly. Uh, I experienced some creepy stuff that made me feel a little bit less comfortable about being, uh, you know. Understandable. <laughs> yeah, and that yeah. – I'm still pretty pretty salty about that stuff. But uh, it, it just kind of, you know, it, once you start feeling self-conscious for one reason, there's a lot of reasons to just be like, you know what, I'm just not really feeling this right now. Yeah. Um, it is a concept that I think would be very cool. But honestly, like, I – The way I am as a person, I would really want to do it right. I would want to look like screen accurate. And I can't do any of the arts required (laughs) in that process. So, uh, so I'll, yeah, I'll just stick with my, my closet cosplay of wearing like the, the Capsule Corp leather jacket or like the, the Nightwing, you know, WandaVision Mm. coat, stuff like that. So, so I, I had a cosplay phase when I was quite young, but uh, I, th- those days are behind me. <laughs> I don't yeah, do that stuff I'm, anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm also a big closet cosplay guy. Whenever I do that, because I I don't I don't have the patience to to do like whole costumes. Uh, and even in in Halloween, I was known for like very lazy <laughs> costumes.
1: I remember the Minecraft the, Steve year. <laughs> yeah, the Minecraft Steve.
0: I was wearing I was wearing a you know a, a light you know turquoise shirt and blue jeans, and I showed up to, and I was like wearing a gray jacket on top of it, I showed up to one of our friend's houses for a Halloween thing, and I don't know, Red, if it was you or someone else, like, what's your costume? I'm like, oh... Uh took off the, the jacket, I'm like, I'm I'm Steve for Minecraft, Minecraft and everyone's like, Okay, great.
1: And lest we cool. forget it was Halloween at the time. Everyone yeah, it, else it was, was I was a day. pirate that year, obviously. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I I just fully must have like skipped part of that process and I was <laughs> game. like, Oh, I'm gonna go hang out with my friends. Oh, and it's yeah. Halloween yeah. right Hang out with
1: my friends meal. to pass out candy and control the giant spider. Oh right. Yeah, for oh Halloween. Man. How silly yeah. of me. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. No. Never oh, played well. Never done it well.
1: Yeah.
2: I've never specifically gotten into cosplay, but I love making costumes, so I just channel all of that energy into Halloween and the Ren Fair. Mm. Um, I just, before we started recording, was showing Red and Blue, my Ren Faire uh, machinations for this year. Um, I've done some characters for Halloween in the past. Like, I did Kate Bishop. That was pretty much her com- yeah. Matt Fraction um, comics run outfit. And uh, I did Sam from Danny Phantom one year. That was pretty good. But, Classic. like, I, I think the problem is I know that if I... Let myself get into cosplay. I will never sleep again. And I I just, I can't, I just, I need time to be a human being. And I don't have the time to get into this. And also I hate wigs. They make me really like, mm-hmm. I just get, I just hate them. So I'd have to cosplay characters that are also um, medium length haired brunettes, uh, which means I could cosplay Bucky Barnes or Avalanche from X-Men Evolution
1: pretty much exclusively. <laughs> I'm still rooting for the Columbo idea. It's easy, cost effective. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well we're doing a closet cosplay. I already own a trench coat
2: and a button down. I got Colombo. There we go. And yeah. Loaded baby. Yeah.
1: yeah. Easy. <laughs> just M Italians.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You're already like eighty five percent of the way there just regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh um, man. No, it's cool hobby. Seems fun.
1: Yeah. Respect yeah, the I, I, people who
0: do it well. Yeah. Big respect the people yeah. who just like make costumes that look like, I Legally I know this is all like fucking foam and cosplay, yeah. but this this looks perfect. You did great. Yeah. <laughs> One of the only yeah, things
1: that cool. I respect TikTok for has been providing an outlet for all those people who just have yeah. cosplays lying around and giving them a reason mm-hmm. to get all dressed up all nice without having to go to a convention or whatever and just yeah, be like, yeah. I'm gonna do a silly dress, uh, like dance, dress like the slur, it's gonna be great. It's like, yeah, yeah, live your yeah. dreams, man. So It's super cool. Yeah
2: um one of my benchmarks for the success of rolling with difficulty was if we ever got any cosplayers and we already have which has been so really? so wow. cool yeah, yeah yeah there's been a there's been a ha- handful of folks popping around doing uh, some, cool. some really cool stuff cool. so yeah thanks guys it really really That's <laughs> hit the success yeah. of our benchmark uh we've got more questions to get through. Yeah, <laughs> we get stuck on this forever um This next question is from Bill Vusai. To Red, Aurora question. Who would play your characters in a live action adaptation of Aurora or dub them in an animated version? So cast your your
1: characters. Tell us who your your fan cast is, Red. Well, here's the thing. Everybody always asks me this and I understand why. It's a reasonable thing to wonder like, oh, you know, uh, these are all different characters. They're all different people. I wonder what they would sound and look like in real life. The problem, you all have to understand, is that in my head, everybody sounds like me. <laughs> I'm the one writing them. I do all their voices. I, I have conversations with myself in character on the regs. They're me in my head. They don't sound like anybody else. <laughs> so the thought of, like, who would I cast is like me, obviously. <laughs> I wouldn't do a good job, but I can't give you a better answer. Um, so I, that's very funny, though, I'm the gonna concept have to of
2: <laughs> it's they release an animated version of Aurora, and it's just you doing different... Like, you're the only voice actor they hire for every single character in the show. It's, it's just, like, the like the exact like, same
0: style reactions. of those Pro ZD videos, yeah. where it's just like I him doing all will the voices. I
1: strike you down, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, it's, I, the thing is, like, I'm... I'm the one person in the world who cannot give you a good answer to this question (laughs) because I have to get past the fact that in my head, I know what they sound like. (laughs) Um, Mm. So, I mean, just about the only one I can give off the bat is that I got to put Josh Keaton in there because he's got the platonic ideal of a protagonist voice. And I've got characters that are designed to look like the platonic ideal of protagonists on purpose. So it's got to be him. Um, Other than that, I have no idea. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I
0: I think that uh, Aaron would really be served by the voice of Christopher Walken.
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> why must you do this I'm to gonna, me? I'm gonna,
0: magic storm,
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm, uh, gonna oh shut it down and everyone's gonna think I'm really cool.
2: <laughs> what is it about Christopher Walken impressions that just brings out the actor and everyone? Like no matter what situation <laughs> you're in, if you say, hey, Christopher Walken. Immediately, everyone that you are talking to starts doing their worst.
1: Oh,
2: I'm not even sure I've ever seen a movie with him in it. (laughs) That's the thing, though. (laughs) Anyway, uh, well, Uh. first fan casting all red, then one Christopher Walken uh, cameo. No,
1: no, that Um, can't be the answer. Uh I'm sorry. It's just this is not how I think about my characters. I, I know some people will be like, I'm going to design a character based on this actor or this person I know. And it's like, I, I can't I can't do that. I got to build them from the ground up. And that means they're kind of just made of bits of me, you know, uh, mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah, good stuff. Well, this next question comes from Sparkle Engineer. Uh, during a recent live stream when Indigo said I'm only one human being I immediately thought about the x things in a trench coat trope so to all if you were a pile of stuff in a trench coat what would you be and how many of you are there in said trench coat
1: what a question busting out the really complicated pop quizzes today oh
0: man
2: so if you were a bunch of stuff like what objects in a trench coat comprises you and how many of them are are necessary to make one red and one blue
1: hmm I feel like, like just a pile of rambunctious dogs. Not all the same kind of dog. There's like different <laughs> dogs for different things. Um, <laughs> nice. And they're all in very firm disagreement over which set of instincts should be in charge today. <laughs> it's like, no, we got we to gotta herd <laughs> stuff. No, we got to sit in this corner and chill. <laughs> um, and I'd say like minimum three, but probably closer to six or seven. Because, like, after a certain point, there's just more volume than there is me, so you can't really stack that in the trench coat. But, like, you know, you know. Yeah. If it's just three, I feel like a quorum could be reached and, like, I could be a halfway <laughs> functional pile of dogs in a trench coat. But there's right. got to be enough of them that there's constant disagreement. There's got to be some discord. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I,
0: Of course, we get into questions of, like like, sizing and shape not working, but, like... <laughs> I feel like pathologically I am four or five like local tour guides who are really excited about the place that they live in and can only talk about those things which is why it's like I've got I've got like a Venetian tour guide, I've got a Greek tour guide, I've got like a tour guide from Rome and and like one person who does like a Mediterranean cruise and that's just that's just me. That's the only thing going on in my brain is just like, here's some here's some cool shit about a place I don't live, or, except in, in the case of like, in the lore of the question, it's places I yeah. do live. But yeah, like size-wise that wouldn't work. So it would be like, I guess, like kids and tour guides. There's no school for tour guides, obviously. So like <laughs> size-wise it's a big trench coat and I'd be a big person, but. Fuck, assigned man. tour guide I... at first.
1: <laughs> 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 oh man. Yeah. Oh I
2: don't actually know if I have. I asked this question and I pulled it. I don't actually have an answer. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to be like a bunch of Muppets in a trench coat, but I don't know if that's accurate to my personality. You know, like, <laughs> like you are seen from the Mupp like Gonzo and and all and the whole, if I was Muppet, I'd be gonzo. Maybe it's just like eight gonzos in a trench coat. Like They're all operating different limbs.
1: Like inside out style, but every yeah. part of your mind yeah, is just like a gonzo.
2: One is the gonzo of rage, and one is the gonzo of humor, <laughs> and the other is the gonzo of technical knowledge, and they're all just operating different facets. <laughs> that's, you know what, that's fine. I think answer. that I'm makes sense, yeah. Know. I'm
1: wondering if I need to add a Muppet to my pile.
2: <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Oh no. Ugh. We'll throw one Rizzo in there just to throw everything off its right Well, yeah, too. you need a
1: Rizzo. You gotta. Because yeah, a Rizzo cause little...
2: co- There's like most of them are gonzos, and then there's one like the Rizzo of Discord, and that's the AD- It's the Rizzo of ADHD, and then all the rest of it is the gonzos. And they're all in one <laughs> trench coat. You never know where the Rizzo's gonna pop up You're on. trying Every to get time. work done, and
1: the Rizzo's like, hey, check it out. I'm Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Exactly. What is
0: <laughs> Every time we talk about Muppets, I think back to the time that Tim Hella Future Me was like, I feel like Muppets is a way bigger thing in America than it is everywhere else. And we're like, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah probably
2: at it's least just... compared to Tim's uh, experience with the Muppets.
1: We just love <laughs> us some funky little puppet men. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but we got we we probably have time for multiple questions, but I think we can really we can really chew the fat on this next one. So I'm oh going to make it our last okay. question of the podcast. Okay. Uh, this question comes from uh, Zagel to all. What Shakespeare play would be most improved, made funnier, or more interesting, your choice, if most of the violent actions that took place were now in the form of Yu-Gi-Oh card game duels? Feel free to alter some stories slightly to account for the changes, i.e. some cards uh, in Hamlet's deck are poisoned by the King of Denmark, or a third party turns Mercutio and Tybalt's fun match into a deadly shadow game. So... Like, just on
0: paper, Yu Gi Oh! Hamlet would be like 10 hours.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think. Okay. Romeo and Juliet's a strong contender just because there's a lot of different conflicts in there. So you could really set up a tournament arc pretty easily, I feel like, if you just made all of those conflicts into card games. Uh, Kind of similarly, though, any of the histories, I think, would be really funny because they're technically sort of real-world events. Mm. um, But now you've just inserted
1: a card game and and then they're becoming... (laughs) That might be the only way to make Henry V, like, interesting.
0: (laughs) And that's contiguous with Yu-Gi-Oh! lore because every famous event was decided by a game of Duel Monsters. Right, yeah.
1: So obviously... um, uh, Henry or Richard III had the Millennium Ring, which is why he was evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. As we all know. <laughs> my kingdom for a monster reborn.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say my kingdom for a blue eyes <laughs> white dragon. Yeah, that
1: too. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Romeo and Juliet is a good one. I also just find it very funny and how much longer it would make Romeo and Juliet because a lot of those fights are real brisk. Like, mm. Paris is like no, Romeo, I won't let you go in here, and he's like, all right, come at me, bro, and then he kills him, and then he just moves on. But of course, you know, we gotta make that like at least three episodes. (laughs) Two decks, both
2: alike in challenge rating. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all
1: right, I think we're in an agreement that Romeo and Juliet would be made funny, but in like a very predictable way. Um, Yeah. I think that would be pretty standard stuff. I I feel like the one where it, it would integrate the best is actually the Tempest, because mm. Prospero is a wizard. Yeah, clearly
0: that's just the dual he, island dark again. yeah, it's dualist kingdom again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, mm, that's very true. Yeah, and in that case, like everyone else is sort of like you know play because he kind of has the the shipwrecked guys like doing stuff, uh, and Caliban is like the 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 third party that's like messing stuff up and and being weird about it, probably has the Millennium (laughs) Ring too, you know how it goes. (laughs)
0: there is one of my favorite lines in, in The Tempest is when Prospero is telling the, the, the couple, whatever their names are, like, sit there a while and talk. It's like, sit there a while and talk and don't bone. Uh, I find it very funny if, like, like fucking, um, like, Ferdinand, I think, like, pulls out, a, a like, a, a deck of cards and Prospero's <laughs> like, B-b-b-b-b-. sit and talk. Don't play that bullshit. It was like as if... <laughs> it's like you see the, like, playing yu gi off screen. Prospero's like, hey, yeah, cut that out. Sit there a while and <laughs> do
2: How does Julius do- Caesar work
1: in if they have to kill Caesar via shadow game. Like, They're just what is looking oh. cards at him. No, 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 shadow cards. games, <laughs> definitely. Uh, okay, They're, okay. as we all know, in Yu-Gi-Oh, 10th anniversary movie, Bonds Beyond Time, uh, yes, we see course. how a tag team duel with three people can work, uh, where the mm-hmm. bad guy mm-hmm. takes the turn every other turn, and then each of the heroes gets one turn, so it's, it's very unbalanced, but that's how they do it. So obviously, in Julius Caesar, each member of... Is it the Senate that kills him? It's uh, they, the Senate, yeah. Right. They each yeah. get a turn, and then he gets a turn, and then e- they move on to the next one, and they just wear down yeah. his life points uh, uh-huh. over the course uh-huh. of like probably two hours, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Brutus finally gets him with like a like a fusion summoned like You've ridiculous my trap card. Yeah, yeah, march. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, a trap card, and just, you know takes him out, and then we get a two brute that falls Caesar, and then well, uh, of it'd course be funny, what if we... it's
0: like it's been like ten hours and then Brutus shows up and he's like, and you, oh my God, can I just die already? for God's sake.
1: Uh, And then, okay, but also, I think we need to make it so that Mark Antony's speech at the funeral is somehow also a duel. Like... Uh, I don't really know how this would work mechanically, I just feel like it's necessary that, like, the equivalent of, you know, his, his, like, innuendo in speech of, like, oh, but Brutus says he was ambitious and Brutus is an honorable man, he's just, like, pulling out card after card for his ridiculous <laughs> combo, like, and then I'll fusion summon this, and then I'll pendulum summon that, and then I'll use this magic card to stack it, and Brutus is an honorable man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this
2: also gets to the question then of like all of those early two thousand Shakespeare adaptations. Are they just like the GX to oh, Shakespeare's original oh series? Like, <laughs> like she's the man, right? Yeah. Or does, does that mean that now, like every time they're
1: playing soccer in that movie, they're actually whipping out yeah. cards? Yeah. She's yeah. She's like, "There's no time for this," and pulls her hair out of the ponytail so everyone can see she's a girl. And then she like just plays cards as normal. <laughs> they're like, "Wow, yeah. she's incredible!" <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's. Is see. Is Yu-Gi-Oh
0: GX the the school one? Five yeah, Ds is with one. motorcycles. Five Ds, right? Ds is,
2: the is the cool card one on <laughs> that I've heard yeah. is actually good. I, GX has one of the funniest dubs I think I've ever listened to, um, which is impressive because it's coming off the tails of Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> the original series.
1: <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh the original um, series had a lot of heart, and it had its dumb moments, it's, but it also had its cool moments. And then Five Ds was, or sorry, GX was like, "Hey, you know what was would like, really Ey. make this work?" Fewer stakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then 5Ds was like, it's the apocalypse. Everyone's super badass and cool. We all ride motorcycles. Capitalism is the true evil. There's Nazca line demons that we're fighting. And I'm like, holy Mm -hmm. shit, who allowed Yu-Gi-Oh to be cool again? (laughs) Two
2: other series after that, but I stopped...
1: Deeping yeah, up with the Yu-Gi-Oh! Zeal after or Zexal GX.
2: Zexal. brains, that was I think. That was the tail end of my Yu-Gi-Oh! youth, I think. Their hair
1: just kept getting stupider, and that kind of bugged me. <laughs> it's like, I get, that. the thing is like, there are a lot of art styles where it's like, okay, you can draw that, but that doesn't mean it actually makes sense, that's fine. And in Yu-Gi-Oh! it's like, okay, some of these characters have hair that just fully doesn't make sense. And then after that they were like, we can't have any more Joey's or Tristan's or even Taya's no. whose hair kind of makes sense but also kind of doesn't. No, everyone's got to have hair it. that looks like a bike helmet. <laughs> it's <laughs> just got spikes sculpted onto it. And that annoys me because that means that you can't draw them in any art style that isn't the original one because you can't make the hair make sense. Anyway, yeah. that's my personal beef with the later Yu-Gi-Oh's. Which Shakespeare yeah. plays would be better? I feel Which like we've reached a lot of things that are like funny but don't quite don't quite synergize as well as they yeah. I mean, it's gotta be I Macbeth d- though, right? Like, I mean, come on, there's so many murders and not just murders, like actual fights. Like it's not I, just they fight the and whole, he dies. Like,
2: mythic element of the witches too does sort of, like if you just change that.
1: Yeah, they're just the harpy ladies. <laughs> the <laughs> the just harpy pop lady. those out.
0: Imagine, imagine a version of the prophecy scene where, when they tell Macbeth he's going to be king, they give him some like super powerful card.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, um, yeah, what's that? Yeah, that chick a god god who Shows up at the museum wins. in all the arcs and is like, here now you get the god cards.
1: Yeah. Um, so we give him Obelisk yeah. the Tormentor. And then we give Macduff life for the Sky Dragon. <laughs> um mm-hmm. right. is so cool. <laughs> this is really all. This is all coming together. And uh, I guess Banquo has like the Wing Dragon of Ra, but he can't use it in the duel because it's actually really finicky. I have a I have a whole deck built around it. It's a huge pain in the butt. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just showed my ass on how much I actually know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh but that's fine <laughs> we're going by like show rules at this point you
2: know it's hard you gotta have a lot of monsters on the field to, cause like, it, it, know, it, it, his attack points are determined by so like what you can
1: sacrifice and, yeah, and how many life points you're willing yeah. to feed it so you gotta build that up really for like ages and ages with magic and trap cards so basically once he gets ambushed he's like I don't have time to use my my winged dragon of raw uh, specific deck and I don't have any other good monsters in here so that's how he gets taken out um so, yeah. So, Macbeth has both of those at that point. He's got, I've got two mm-hmm. god cards. Nobody can stop me. No man of woman but, born, et cetera.
0: But then what's the prophecy then? Like, what's the Dunsinane shit that, that ends up happening?
1: Yeah, I guess Macbeth. We, we have to have army. some, like,
0: like, some kind of monster that, like, there's like an early setup and then you get some crazy summon like ten turns later. Oh, I don't it's, know it's enough like about a, Yu-Gi-Oh cards to no, do this.
1: Okay, well, so Exodia uh,
2: is the one where if you assemble all of it, that's like the OG yeah. big bad you know, like
1: I mean, McDuff using Exodia kinda works, but I also feel like the the thing with the Burnham Wood to High in Hill, et cetera, et cetera, you can get that with a field card. Uh, which adds like a general oh, effect to your side yeah. of the, yeah., um, so it could be some kind of like this buffs this specific kind of monster and adds an effect that, that you know it doesn't. Yeah. so so that's that's what Mcduff has on his side. Uh, and of course, I think it's important that while they are having this duel, other people are actually like fighting, but they are actually <laughs> fighting in one- on one duels outside. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> like they meet it's across the like... battlefield and it's like, all right, you, let's go. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is
2: nothing if not a massive series of tournament arcs, and so it's only right that basically every large-scale military action in Shakespeare then becomes its own smaller yep. tournament. Yeah, arc. yeah, everyone else is just I, not competing in the big leagues.
0: Jumping back to the um, the historical plays, because there's a lot of like palace intrigue, you know, like uh, hallway stabbings and stuff like that. Like <laughs> you see, like two characters in some like you know Henry the Eighth Part One or Henry the Fifth Part One or some nonsense, where like some character walks up to another one and is like. I'm sorry, lady such and such. It's time to duel. And then, like, that's the dramatic betrayal as someone pulls out a deck of cards in the middle of a hallway.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You can't just stab anybody. It's always got to be a whole thing.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: man. (laughs) I think what we've landed on is, like... Sorry, blue. What do you got? I was gonna
0: say when, um, when Hamlet's killing Ophelia's dad, he's like Pelonius. fumbling for his cards behind the curtain, like shit, shit. Yeah. Where are they?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my starting hand doesn't have any monsters in it. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. He just gets one <laughs> yeah. shot basically. Yeah. yeah, he's
1: like, oh, my, my, deck is far too based on spells and traps and, <laughs> and 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 like buffering the few monsters I have, and I didn't draw any of them in my starting hand. Hold on, let me discard and redraw. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Um, Yeah, And instead of being actually mad, Ophelia's just like reciting rules to future versions of Yu-Gi-Oh that nobody understands yet. And she's like, and then I'm going to Synchro Summon. And they're like, oh, the madness has taken her.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And if I play this fusion
1: card, Synchro, Or worse,
0: Ophelia's like, I've seen them do it like this in the show. They're like, nope, nope, kill, (laughs) dead.
1: (laughs) She's like, what do you mean I can't use this to destroy the moon and thus uh, withdraw the ocean from your side of the field, leaving your ocean monsters exposed? And they're like, because what the fuck are you talking about?
2: (laughs) This girl is Uh, nuts.
1: (laughs) But I have the moon card and and my guy has a spear so he can destroy the moon and they're like, okay.
2: Yeah. I think what we've landed on is any Shakespeare play with the addition of Yu-Gi-Oh card games in place of combat, peak comedy. Uh, But that's also time for the podcast. Uh, Red? Yes. It's time to take us out. Not Are you duel. sure that's the only time? You, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm okay. 100% sure that it's time to take us out of the podcast and nothing else.
1: <laughs> Not so fast, Kai. <laughs> Alright, okay. Um, <laughs> I just... I'm This this friggin' question's gonna haunt me, I can tell. We haven't reached a satisfying resolution. Uh, we'll just have to explore it through more Shakespeare After Dark streams. No. <laughs> Okay, I'm just like would Othello work? Because there aren't really that many like physical fights. It's just like complex mind, it's gl- mind games. It's time to end and end end end, end, end okay. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you all so much for listening. As always, we'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode. Stay tuned. There might be some fun stuff happening there. We're still kind of sorting th- some things out. Uh, also, stay tuned on Fridays. As always, we have videos coming out. Also, there are rolling With difficulty episodes coming out. So check those out. Um, uh, we are creeping up on 2 million subscribers, so uh, we, we're working on some stuff for that. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't subscribed, <laughs> you feel free to. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's fine. Everything's cool. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to figure out if I can do a Yu-Gi-Oh joke, but my mind is drawing a straight-up blank. <laughs> I guess I didn't believe in the heart of the cards enough. Anyway, so until next time, I've been ready.
0: As expected. See, Red, it. I knew that you would say that. It was my plan uh-huh. all along, which is why I am playing the... Uh, I've been blue. Impossible. This been an overly sarcastic podcast.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on August 10th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.